podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And hello, one and all, to the Devil's Advocate podcast. I'm your host, Dara Cashman, and I'm joined today by Peter Fitzpatrick and a new man to the channel, uh, of course, friend of mine, Jack McDonald. Lads, how are you getting on tonight? All good, man. That's the stuff, man. Uh, look, we'll just kick straight into it. Uh, we kind of have a deck for your for the fact you're not exactly familiar with everything here. We kind of run off a small list, and it's kind of similar to what we would have been used to before. So we'll kick off and start with the Dallo resurgence, really. And I've always been a big fan of Diogo Dallo. Anyone who knows me knows that I've really been an advocate to really play him where you can, whether it be left back or right back, because I remember the time that Jose brought him in and I just saw what could potentially be now. He's had his fair share of bumps along the road, which... Uh, Ollie choosing Aaron Wampasaka over him, favoured or not, it's up for debate, really. Uh, so I suppose I'll start with yourself, Deck, really. Uh, I suppose the best question to start, really, given the game this weekend, where do you play him this week? Do you play him at left-back or do you play him at right-back? Um, personally, I'll be playing him at left-back. Um, I think he can play either side. I think he's mm. had a great season. Um, his defending, his his attacking runs have improved immensely. Um, he's definitely one of the more important players we have at the moment because um, he brings a lot to our game. His crossing, which was up to debate for a long time, has improved immensely. Um, I think he's one of the best players in our squad at the moment and one that we need on our team sheet all the time. Um, he's that important to us now, hundred mm. percent. I suppose, like I would have looked at the aspect of, given our injury situation, you probably sue him at left back and then try and throw someone in at right back. Peter, I'll come to you on that. Do you agree? Would you play him left back or would you play him right back? Sorry, it's regarding Dallow, is it? Uh, Dallow, sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my internet broke off there. No, no, you're okay, uh, I, yeah, it's a tough one because I normally say you keep your best players in their best positions and try and avoid mm-hmm. as much change as possible. But at the same time, the idea of like Amrabat playing left back in City is just a massive concern. So the like, only thing if you play that or left we'll, back, we we'll give. Oh, I don't know what happened there, but. Uh... No, I'll con- kind of continue on there from the Amber Method left back scenario. Like, he didn't do the worst job as. Oh. Sorry, Peter. I was just. I was going to uh, take your point. Sorry, I'm going back on now. No, no, you're great. I was going to make yeah. a point there yeah. about, about Amber Method left back. He didn't do. Like, okay, fair enough. The first, first half of the Forest game wasn't the greatest. It wasn't the prettiest. But he kind of came into his own in the second half, in fairness to him. So it wouldn't be one to yeah, go against. Yeah, it's, it's just a like, completely different game, obviously. Uh, like, at Forest, he's popping into midfield a lot. He's properly converted left-back. Mm. And at points, he was like... It was actually mad seeing him there. Uh, like, you're like, Jesus, the left-back. Like, he's popping up centre-mid and so on. 
But uh, and I did, I did think he played well in the second half. His, his passing was quite good. Um, mm. But yeah, it's a tough one. Like because if you, if you go to add a left back, you're probably putting you could go Lindelof at right back and put Evans in, or put Camwall mm. at right back. Uh, I think the yeah, moral like, story is we're, uh, we're fairly screwed either way. I think at the back. The only thing there is you're you're putting up like who would be playing left wing though for City of Foden. Like you're putting a young Camboada against yeah, him. So that's the problem you're yeah, facing there. The only... If you're good enough, you're old enough. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. But I suppose then, kind of talk, uh, r- r- uh, bring it back to that. Though. Would you say he's the man to lead United into the future at right back? Or do you feel there's someone else to bring in there? And I'll leave that to either of you to start there. Um, I think at the moment there's not many um out there better than him. Um, the performances this season have been consistent, and that's what we that's what we've wanted all along: consistency. Um, if you can make your position your own, go with it and keep going. Um, there's places there to be nailed down in the United team, mm. um, and if you can make a mark for yourself, then hundred percent, go for it. And there's also the talk then of, well, sorry, I didn't actually hear anything on the press conference side of things, but was it be Wabasak is close to returning or is he still another couple of weeks away? I think he's a couple of weeks away, all right, Jeff. Like, on, like both flanks are kind of screwed. Like, no, no in fairness, that was freaking injury. Thank God. But at the same time, you kind of have to think one injury and this whole thing just discombobulates just really. So. Well, look, at the moment, our defence is kind of being held together by uh, sellotape and plasters. Um, and that that happens to teams, every team, through the season, you know. So, I mean, there will come a time when we've all the boys back, we've Martinez back, we've Maguire back. I never thought I'd say that, but I, <laughs> I, every time he's played, he's played well for us. Um, and it's consistency and getting our first 11 out there full time that we need to push on until then it's going to be hell for leather and hoping for the best and i see sunday is no different yeah what do you think pete do you think uh, he's the man for the future right back or have you anyone else in mind um i think i'd agree with what said there like in recent months especially since the turn of the year he's been actually very good and um, mm. i was very much Oh, this man loses his internet just as quick, man. But uh, I'll actually make a... Wait, you... Oh, he's back again. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, back. you're all good, man. You're all good. I, I'm, I'm blaming the storm or whatever's going on at the moment. <laughs> uh, I'm saying sorry. Uh, I think if you put, like I always said, if you put Juan Bissaka and Dallow together, you'd have a brilliant right back. So oh, guaranteed. 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dallow... That's like we have too much to do this summer. That we it would be handy if we could like, you know, keep Dallo, leave him there, and then there's other areas that are more pressing than there's at the moment. So I think he's doing well because I think they're all in position kind of at the moment for their spots. And mm. he's impressed and glad to put his position taken over. So I think at his age profile, he's only what, 24, 25. And he doesn't get injured as he's dead, which is a huge thing because everyone gets injured now. Like, so I think at the moment he, he has another season at least I think at the club mm. like I suppose like 
I heard the, there was talk of potentially just revamping the whole defense. And you know, for as much as I love certain players in that team, like Dado being one, Lissandra Martinez being another, I wouldn't be exactly against the idea of just revamping that whole defense and maybe just keeping literally someone like Dado and Lissandra Martinez. So I don't know what you think. I, I if like, if you're talking, I hear a whole clear out of the squad and then just revamp the defense and maybe get a CDM. Then maybe we can work on that. Actually, just sorry to point out there, please. The lads are making the point there that uh, they can't hear you properly, so I'm not sure if it's just your connection or not. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I think, yeah, we're blaming the snow and the storm and whatever. Can you hear me better now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that, that's a lot better now. But, um, All right, perfect. Like, just uh, continue on my point there. I was kind of thinking, like, if you just revamp the whole defense and if you go ahead and you even just get a Casemiro replacement, then I think from the rest of the squad, then you have enough there that you could get away with just doing that much in one transfer window. I don't know what do you think. Um, I definitely think we need to get a load of players out. Um, mm. You know the number one on my hit list anyway, so I'm... He's already on the way out. We've already been yeah, I'm, him. I'm happy to see that he's going into summer. But, I mean, we do. We need a bit of surgery in the team. Um, look, Johnny Evans, great servant to United. Um, whenever he's come on, he's been great. But, like, I mean, Johnny can't do it next season. No. Um, for us, if we want to push on and be seen as a team that want to go forward, we, we need to get in a few uh, more players. You know, we need to. We have the recruitment process in place now, I think, um, where we can actually go after players. I don't know, will a lot of it come down to Champions League qualification? Might have a lot, but I mean, at the end of the day, the biggest draw in the world is Manchester United. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if if you have hungry players wanting to better themselves and come to what I see as an exciting prospect, then it's going to be Manchester United. Especially the way that Ineos have the vision for them now, so it will hopefully turn tenfold for United in the long run. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I suppose... The next place you have to start really is the whole Marcus Rashford situation, especially after that statement yesterday. I'm not too sure did any of you get like personally. No, I didn't get a full on listen to uh, the interview. Or I only read snippets of the statement. Did either of you manage to pick it up? Yeah, yeah. I actually read. I, I read the full thing. Uh, I actually thought it was a lot of. You got a lot of stick for it, but mm. that's kind of par for the course. And he's not in. Been not been in great form, and obviously the incident in Belfast. But I actually thought it was refreshing because you never really hear from Rashford like he's not no yeah he's not he's not in social media it's all very we keep going and like an, uh, an emoji because never you don't know much behind what you see and that's mm. why everyone talks about the body language and that kind of thing and every football fan is a body language expert at this point but it's hard <laughs> to it, it was actually good for him to kind of bite but not bite back but kind of give his point of view and where he where he's coming from and I preferred it. I was like, yeah, like you're still a he- it was more of a human being than yes. a player. Yeah, and I thought it was more he wasn't talking particularly about my form has been bad. It was more the media talk a lot of crap about me, the right wing media. And it's all mm-hmm. like two main reasons. One because he's a young, successful black athlete, and number two is because he took on the Tories and the established order in COVID. They are the mm. two reasons. And he's kind of he's kind of replaced Raheem Sterling as like their kind of go-to of 
anytime he does anything good, it's always like with an angle of like, look how much money he spent on his car. While yeah, Jack exactly. Grealish I, is... I did. Fi- I did find that interesting point. And sorry, you just mentioned his name there. It's actually a very good comparison then because he. I I think I picked up the snippet that he mentioned about. It can't just be about him being a 26-year-old lad way off on a night out in Belfast. It's about how much he's earning, what or the time he got a parking ticket, what car he's driving, how much he's earning, the level of status he is. But yes, people applauded Jack Grealish for the bender he went on after the treble. Now, fair enough. You you hear the stories of the 99 team and the uh, drinking sessions that they went on, especially... Uh, I won't mention his name, though, but uh, there's been many a story about one particular United striker uh, after the uh, Champions League win in Barcelona. But, like, the problem is the media will laud uh, Jack Reedish for being a lad's lad going on the bender. But, yes, he can't uh, get away with himself then. So it is frustrating as a United fan to see the double standards. But, again, myself and Deck have made this point before. It's because it's Manchester United... Man United are the talking point of every side of media. And then again, it just to kind of bring it on to the point I was about to make with the whole Rashford scenario, it's down to fan cam media. And there's one particular outlet that is run by a Nottingham Forest fan that quite ironically basically said, oh, well, we're not... In, in essence, they basically came out saying after the Rashford statement, well, we're not to blame. We we defended them, and I was kind of there like, Marcus Rashford intentionally tweeted back at you after saying you basically made a clickbait article about him, and you, you basically said, stop spreading malicious rumours about me. So, what does that say, Rita? See, I'm more of a fan of, um, I don't care whether Marcus went to Belfast or not. Um mm. does me he's a young lad he should be able to do what he wants but what he needs to do is he needs to prove it on the pitch more this season has been brutal for him and while it could be for a myriad of reasons he needs to show the supporters more on the pitch than he has been i mean uh, great he came out with a statement um and I, I liked it to a certain extent, but I want to see him trying more on a pitch. To play for Manchester United is something that we can only dream of. He's getting paid a ton of money to do something that we do for free, you know? Um, and that's why we hate, as supporters, seeing him jogging around the pitch and players running around him. He can have an off-season. That's grand. He had a great season last year. But yeah. all we want as supporters is to see effort on the pitch. And if, it's when we don't see effort, that's when we become frustrated, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think he can turn it around? Yeah, of course. He's a very skillful young lad. He's a great player. Just needs to knuckle down and concentrate more on the playing side than the social media side, in my opinion. Mm. And like, it's an interesting point to make because I suppose you go back to the times of Brian Robson and the infamous uh, how, or captain's parties, as they were known as back in the day. The boys would be on the lash early two nights before a game. No one would peep behind it, but in, in the eyes of social media, everyone has the phone, everyone has the camera. Everyone's going to spot, oh, look, that's Marcus Rashford over there. He's on the piss. Should he not be in training tomorrow kind of thing? Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, 
society has changed and that's the problem mm. uh we're governed more by the internet and by social media than anything i mean thank god george best wasn't uh caught on mobile phones back in his day because i mean he, he'd never have got on the team but i mean i, I think where rashford made the mistake was went out in the beer yeah but don't go sick after it i mean yeah like i suppose like, the team. even people like and even i was the one who made the point as well that well, Rashford had a full week off, but he went to Belfast only a few days before the uh, game against Newport County. Like, fair enough. I get. I don't care if it's against Newport County; it's still a big game, regardless of the circumstances. So, like, it was more a case of you had a full week to go to Belfast to meet Rashawn Williams, and yes, you still go two days before you're meant to be training, and you turn up sick. Then, fair enough. You just went out the Wednesday night, but there's talk of the uh, a. Thursday night as well. It it just doesn't cut it really in that aspect. And like I, I will cut him some slack because like you had the season the dreaded season of Ali and Ragnick. That was just a write-off for everyone involved. Uh like people say purple patch about Rashford last year, and to an extent I agree because we just had a good run of games and Rashford tend or had the consistency, but like I'll tell you the truth. Since he's come back from the bollocking uh, by Ten Hag after Belfast, he has improved a lot. Like he's like fair enough. Whatever about that video of him after the Luton game, he or sorry during the Luton game in the last few minutes, he's been from what I've seen, he's been putting in a decent shift. So to say that he's not trying would be a bit too critical of him because in fairness, he, he's putting himself forward. He's actually trying to uh, make a statement of it like so and I think going forward this might actually send a sentiment to the rest of let's say the fan cams and everything and even on that kind of I think we kind of touched on it there but do you feel fan cams have a say or a pull in social media itself as a result of because let's say no I'm not going to we can't exactly name them but we know who they are the certain fan cam uh, channels that will pinpoint this is what's wrong with Man United but when in fact they're the ones writing the clickbait uh, thumbnails and doing all that themselves, really. So I don't know either of you want yeah, to take I that. Yeah, I think it's massive. Yeah, I think it's a big issue. Like I think the most obvious example in parallel is uh, with Arsenal in a large way. Like for a long mm. time, when they were well, we were rivaling those banter clubs, like that was the, what the rivalry mm. fall into. But like they had, it was just such toxic negativity all the time around the club. And again, it was kind of in line with the end of, it was around the end of Benger, but also the, like uh, when Stan Kroenke kind of, before he handed over the running of the club to his son. Yeah. So there are the parallel of like the Glazers handing it over to someone who actually wants the club to do well and will employ the right people and so on. That I hope that like with Radcliffe coming in and their best in class um, mindset and, you know, getting things in order at long last, that one, there won't be as much negativity to feed off in general. And two, that the club might be like, we're going to clamp down on these kind of crowds. Like, why was Rasmus Hoyland doing an interview with, with them? Why was Anthony? Very strange that that was even allowed to happen. And again, that would fall into like, what, like, uh, you know, it's privacy in their like media control. Like, what's going on there? Like, it, you, if you want your players to go and talk to the media, they should be with them. Um, like, one a crowd that doesn't batter them the other side and mm, actually one that will actually yeah. one, one that will put out like the truth so i do think that they'll fall away those kind of crowds 
as the club improves as a whole. And I think the fan base will be very divided for the last 15, 20 years, ever since the days came in. I think we'll all, majority of United fans will row, like we'll all row behind the new structure. And there might be more of a, there won't be as much of a voice for those dissenting fans. Yeah. Well, I suppose like That's you make the point there. I suppose you make the point there, though. And when you think about it, okay, I want the Arsenal have been successful, but they've been on the rise. But with their, yeah. with the sense that they're on the rise, and I'm not trying to compare us to Arsenal in any shape or form. But when you talk fan cam channels, their channel hasn't been seen as prominently as when I say that. I mean, because they're not losing as much. Their uh, usual clips that come out after a loss are nowhere to be seen. Whereas, whether we win or lose, it seems these channels still have that pull. And even if we hammered, let's say, even if we hammered City 4 1 4 2 tomorrow or on Sunday, I can guarantee you certain channels will still have their uh, clips running around social media, whether it be good or bad. And that's just my take on it, then, really. That's always going to happen because, I mean, yeah. without you know, there's a lot of, they don't have anything to report on. I mean, mm. United, whether they like it or not, are the biggest club in the world and the most reported on club in the world. And what these social media phenoms want is they want to get viewers in and you're going to get more viewers when you start um, slagging off United. I mean, that's just nature of the beast. Mm. Um, that's what they want. They want to get content for themselves. They want to get noticed. And if you're slagging off United, you will get noticed. I mean, it happens in the media all the time. United are the biggest news story, no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. We have a bad season, we make the news. We have a great season, we make the news. United buy a new toothbrush, we make the news. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just the way the media, they focus on United because we are the story. And... Uh, Hated, adored, never ignored. Always the case. Always, I've always said uh, United being terrible is way bigger than anyone else being good. Like It's a way bigger, as I said, always uh, a way bigger news story. United, United like, losing a game is bigger than City winning the treble. Like, it creates more stories. There's more chat about it. It like affects the world or the world but it's society and so on like you notice it you feel a lot more when you know you don't do well as opposed to mm. someone else doing doing well themselves and that does come across quite arrogant but that's kind of what you know it are but uh yeah i fully agree with you like it is yeah it's like the club got so big that it just has in like the last while it's been picked off by vultures so hopefully things might change go forward we can only hope uh i suppose at this point, I'd like to just make a quick uh, message there about the sponsor of this podcast, Manchester Mind. Uh, of course, and we here at the Devil's Advocate like to talk about mental health, whether it be a man, woman, child, anyone who has mental health issues. We're all open to talk about it, myself included. I'm uh, open to chat to if anyone is looking to chat. And if you text MM2023, donate to 70085, uh, that would be a good donation to a causable charity. And from that point, we will move to the preview of the derby itself. Now, open floor, lads. What do you expect from this? 
Mystic Meg couldn't predict this. I said, we're going to, like, I mean, and don't write United off. And everyone's lauding City and how great they are and what great football they're playing. Never write United off in a derby. I mean, I look, it could go either way. And I'm hoping for a good United performance and we take it to City. I'm, you just never know. I'm hoping for a win. Um, it's one of those games that no one can call. Mm. Pete, what about yourself? Uh, I'd like to be as optimistic as Deck or as hopeful. <laughs> I just, I just, I just have the feeling of like pain is coming our way. Uh, we we do get we've got battered at the Etihad the last two seasons, especially the last season the six three and the two hat tricks, um, and then the season before we lost four yeah, one. Yeah, that was a that was an that that four one was an awful one. Uh, I just remember after they had like again, like we said, United being bad is more important. They had the half an hour debrief on Sky Sports. Neville Keane Carragher sat there for half an hour and they barely talked about City, uh, <laughs> which is a weird way of like the only positive you could take from those kind of results. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, like you said, City haven't been in that good form in the league of late, goals wise, and it, like they obviously got sixth against Luton in the cup, and that was very foreboding. Like the hate KDB Halland combination. Oh, my God. great form as well. And I, I, I just saw... Just, I see, like... Oh, no, I was, was going to make the point. I Sorry, just saw uh, I just saw a tweet there last night. Was I say, oh, look at me. I'm KDB in Holland. We realised we actually need to continue winning uh, so we can continue dominating the league. Oh, grow up. Like, literally, they were nowhere to be seen until, yeah, like, yeah, a week or two ago. <laughs> And literally, literally, I saw the goals come in for Haaland each time I went to my phone. And I was just there like, where were you in the last few weeks for my fantasy Premier League? The one time I actually needed you, and now you're coming up against United. <laughs> yeah, I think United just need to put yeah, in a performance. It's, it's a, yeah, as, very as, as supporters, um, that's what we want. But like, I suppose you kind of have to look at it this way, like, we have our like. I'm not trying to write United off in any sense. Yeah, I think I agree. Like we've had too many. Oh no, sorry. I, I, I there's a little bit of lag, so I I'm kind of overfeeding yourself. Sorry, you were going to make the point there, Pete. Sorry. Hello. Yeah, sorry. I think like we've obviously the six three last season and seven mm. at Anfield, but the template is. We drew our only draw in the league this season, which is amazing, was the nil all at Anfield. That kind of is the template of we didn't play like we've played in nearly every other game of the season with the donor mm. fact we're going to try and protect the ball, we're going to head away everything. And Varane had a really good game. Varane had a brilliant game that day, and mm. we could have won it. Like if we had had Hoyland up the last month, we probably would have won it. He had a good chance, and that's how we should probably play. We should go back. Like with the injuries and so on, like we're, we're not going to take on City man for man and try and beat them. We need to be smart and almost play like how we did when Oli was the manager. Because Oli got a good got a good few wins against City, and we do have like Garnacho, Rashford. Like they will play a high line. There will be room in behind. So hmm. we kind of just need to be compact and try and get them on the break. I suppose. But my fear is that we try and go man for man and. Hmm. No, I, I suppose you make the point there that uh, you were on about City playing the high line and I was going to make the 
I was going to bring the question to you of what the best way to break down that city defense would be because the problem you have there is you have such a rotational city defense that you can play four center backs across the back line because they're that versatile and that uh, laudable that you can play, let's say, Vivardi on left back, you can play Kanji right back. You have that adaptability in the team, you have that versatility in the team. Is there any weaknesses to that, or do you feel a there's a better way of breaking down that city defense? Well, I agree with Pete. We definitely can't go man for man. Um, we have to set up our stall to be defensively sound. And um, it's a pity now Rasmus isn't there because he's a great man for holding up the ball and bringing the rest of the team into the game. And I think that would have been the game made for him against City. Um, we're, we're just going to have to see what happens. Um, we're, as Pete says, we're not going to take him on man for man. We have to set our stall out from minute one to minute 90. Mm-hmm. And the whole team need to put put in a performance for, for us to get a result there. Um, <clears throat> I'm crossing my fingers. Um, it is one of those. We're, we're at a lot with injuries to the team. So, I mean, we just have to soak it up and go for it. Yeah, like I suppose I was looking at here at Julio's comments that they're actually fucking hilarious. I won't like to, but like you, like you go back to setting up the stall there against Liverpool. I, <clears throat> no, nobody wants to be admitting that you're setting up a stall against yeah, a, a big team. Like, call them what you want. Liverpool is a big team, City non existent, but uh, no, like, do you think like. Anyone idea? Is there, ah, I suppose the question I was about to ask was, is there any sign of who's refereeing this game? Because going back to that Dallow incident, do you think uh, there's a possibility of something happening in that game? Because my, if my memory serves me correct, we haven't had many instances of referees uh, influencing a game against City. So someone might want to enlighten me on that because I just don't remember off the top of my head. If I want to take on that, but right, whoever referees this game is going to need to be able to stand up to both teams and be realizing that he's refereeing one of the biggest games in English football. Um, it's not often that a big team goes to the empty shed, and uh, this is the game that they live for every season. This mm. is the game that they look for. Our, the start of the season because it's the only thing that makes them viable to the rest of us. I mean, they're forever going to be in our shadow and they hate it, you know? So, I mean, this is their biggest game of the season. Um, everyone is banking on them to win. So, don't put a pass United, throw a spanner in the works. Um, I'm hoping this is what will happen. But, um what we definitely don't want is we don't want to be looking back at the game, looking at referees' inconsistencies, VAR with their blinkers on, and people talking about everything other than the performance. So let's hope we have a good game, get a good result, and onwards and upwards. And I suppose the question then really is who plays in that front three? Because between Highland being out and so many question marks being asked, 
you kind of have to ask who really is our front three for City. And I suppose we can come into the full lineup in time to come, but we'll start with that. Who is the front three? And Peter, I'll start with you on that one. Just as I asked that, he goes away. So, Dick, I'll come to you Peter there. doesn't like the front three. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes the idea of... I mean, we, can, we may as well just resurrect Martian and bring him into the front three industry. It's coming to... No, most definitely we should not. <laughs> no, um, I mean, I presume... Like, I mean, he's going to have Rashford there. I would think Garnacho and Anthony. I think that's what he's going to start with. Hmm. Um, Anthony hasn't had the best of seasons. Um, but, I mean... Big player, big game. Is he going to come on and make a statement against City? I mean, you can't bet against it. But I presume that's the front three that he's actually going to start with. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Like I, I've been saying, like Dick, I know you're new to the channel, but you're probably going to have heard me say this some point before. Anthony at left wing. Your opinion? <laughs> oh, I I don't know. Like he's such a polarizing player i mean he tracks back which is great yeah um i'm i i love his work rate but um he was bought as a an attacking winger who doesn't seem to like to attack um he's very one-dimensional at the moment um every defender seems to have copped on to what he's going to do um do I think there's more to come from? I think so, yeah. I think he needs time to bed in with us. Um, Ten Hag seems totally sold on him. And for that, I'm going to give him a bit more time. Um, yes, he can be frustrating. Yes, he can drive us mad. Mm. But um, he has moments of brilliance then as well. So you just don't know. Uh, it's the hardest thing in the world is going to Manchester United, I think, for well, any No matter I, I agree on that, but like the problem there with Anthony, if people know what he's going to, and I've made this point on this channel before, Dick, if people know, if players know what he's going to do with cutting on the right foot, like the problem was, he's not, the problem is even, he's not Aryan Robin. Aryan Robin was very similar in the sense that he cut in on his left foot because, like Anthony, he only had one foot, but the difference is massive. Aaron Robin could actually play around with it rather than just doing the one trick of cutting on the left foot. And this is why I've brought the point of do you see a potential of him playing left wing? Because if you're only going to have him play on one foot, you can have him go direct in and just hit off that left foot. Or you uh, have him whip in the crosses, which, to be fair, we saw a glimmer of it against Newport County, and I don't care if, it, if the caveat is it's Newport County. You're still playing even if they're a semi-professional football team, you're still playing against 11 players who one might stand out amongst the rest, but you're still playing 11 players. So for Anthony to play on that left wing and show a glimmer of hope is the reason I always bring the idea. And like even against Forrest, now I might have been looking at it a different way to other people, but I saw a bit of fluidity where the boys were kind of moving across the front three amongst themselves as like Rashford moved over to the left once upon, or once, and I saw... Even Anthony once move over to left. So it's that kind of thing. Like, And even I'll bring in a, a comment there from Reese. Left back or left wing back may be a stronger idea for Anthony, but the problem there, Reese, is Ten Hag is so stubborn in his tactics, and we've had this discussion before. 
if Ten Hag wasn't so stubborn on his tactics, a wing back wall would actually suit him and Dallow better. As like you can literally play Anthony on the left wing back and Dallow on the right wing back because Dallow defensively has his flaws, but going forward has the better opportunities. So that's why I think a wing back role would probably suit better for both. The problem is Ten Hag's and uh, tactics are too stubborn. And, he, and like this is coming from someone who will defend Ten Hag to the hill. I just feel that uh, with the stubborn or how stubborn he is with his tactics, it's something that's not going to work. And even, yeah, you started just to make the point that Reese made there. If Ten Hag wasn't stubborn, we would be challenging properly. And I could definitely see that because I've made the point before, he is stubborn with even in-game tactics of you'd see... Let's say when we go a goal down last year, he was able to adapt to it and move players around and change tactically. This year, he just hasn't done anything to it. So, Peter, if you want to take on that, because I even bring in a, the next question for you to answer. Reese with the question the big question what will Man United do this weekend? Win and hand the title, uh, the Scousers, or lose and go for City before the roll? I'm always in the camp of anyone but Liverpool, just especially being Irish, all of us. Like, you know, oh, yeah. I've won friends. I've won friendly sports city. Like, they, there's no, there's no comparison. And also, there is when City win the league, you're the caveat of well, 115 charges and your own by a country. When Liverpool win the title, especially going against that, it's unbelievably impressive. Hmm. And Liverpool also getting 20 clops last season. You just don't really want to see that. Yeah. Um, but sorry, just in the chat you're having there about Anthony, uh, like two points on it. I think like if you went to the back five, it would mean that you couldn't play Granacho, Hoyle, and Rashford. You'd mm. have to play a front two, which maybe could work in a way. But uh, also, I would prefer to see Anthony on the left because Granacho has been so much better on the right. So I don't know why. I just think it's such a silly thing that managers do. Like, why do you change? One player goes out. Like example last weekend. Hoyland went out, Forson came in. Everyone thought Forson would just play through the middle. Just don't make as, like, like as little disruption as possible. And instead, he switched it all around. He went in the right, Granacho went in the left, and Rasher went up top. And it just makes yeah. a mess. Like I think keep Granacho on the right, let Anthony work on the left. And also, if you've Anthony and probably Amrabat on the left, it's grand. You can, that'll give your defensive side almost. And then yeah. Dallow and Garnacho, who actually work quite well. Let they work quite well together. So keep that partnership growing. Uh, otherwise, you're just kind of having it's just too much change and chaos, and it just ends up players don't know. There's no like, there's no like interlinking between them. It's all kind of just this is the first time I played in the same side as you, and it's your trino down the Etihad. Yeah, like I suppose just to make just to show Reese's comment that he's after bringing on here, it is. Shit, that our game against he is this weekend. Like I think if it was as early as last season's in January, where City don't wake up and realize, okay, we actually need to start winning now, it mightn't have as much of an influence as to whether it's a one horse race or a two horse race, or even if Arsenal decide to wake up and smell the coffee, a three horse title race. But like, I would rather let it come down to the Liverpool and City teams playing the, playing each other so that's why I'm kind of there like they're playing, they're, they're playing next week so this is a huge couple of weeks in the in yeah like, at Anfield 
Well, I'm meant to ask my boss because he's a Liverpool fan. Who are Liverpool playing this weekend, lads? Forest away. Oh shit! I was I was gonna say two yeah. like I'm not saying okay of course our title our our title hopes geez. where am I where am I going with title hopes our Champions League hopes would probably take a massive hit if we only took a draw at City this weekend. But I mean, in terms of the title race, it would make it more interesting. Say if Liverpool either drew or lost the Forest, we got the draw yet ahead. And then the two teams managed to draw and say top. next weekend. Like, yeah, Arsenal, <laughs> Ar- Arsenal are the, the lesser of the three evils in this one, but I can't see Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal making up there just so bloody hard. And I suppose, not to break off from talking United, but just on a quick note, the fact that Reese makes the point that they're just so bloody horrible in his words, would an actual, like, would a decent manager, and then I won't say a world class manager, but at least a step up from a, a Arteta. Would that make them what better title contenders? I'm not saying give them a world class manager where they'll dominate, but it's something that might actually work. Arsenal are like the new Spurs of London. You always know they're going to bottle it. I mean, they're. I mean, come on, they're brute. Um. Every time you think they're going to push on for a title race, they actually manage to let you down. Um, and I don't care about Liverpool and City. I don't want to lose against either of those teams. The title is judged over the season. I want to beat those two teams every time we play them. Um, if someone told me that uh, if we beat City this weekend, it's going to give Liverpool a great chance to win the title. doesn't matter. Titles are won over the season. Every chance we can have to beat City, beat Liverpool, I want to take it. So I never want to lose against them. Although, Dick, sorry to cut across you, you make the point of Arsenal the new Spurs. If Spurs are bottlers, then what are Arsenal? <laughs> That's what I said. They're the exact, they're, Arsenal are the exact same. I mean, they seem to have taken on... Oh, they're, higher, they're higher level. Yeah. Uh, higher level bottlers. Right? <laughs> higher level bottlers. Like, I mean... They're, 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 uh, they, yeah, they, they don't... They don't they're not, they, at least they win some trophies. But they're, they're, yeah. I completely agree with you. Yeah, like, I mean, Arsenal, when you think they're going on this um, run and then they just throw it away, I mean, I, I don't get them as a team. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that point. Um, if Una Emery was with that Arsenal team, yeah, massive point. I, I, I don't I, know. I, 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 think, I, 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 think, I think so. I think he could, yeah. No, and like, it's, it's a point because I, someone... Either Julio or Reese might want to correct me on this. I can't remember which of the two boys I was talking about with this on one of the shows before. But Emery, under the current setup at Arsenal, would thrive because he's a great manager, just came in at the wrong time for Arsenal because he was under the worst of the times under Cronkies because he was under Stan Cronky, who, as we kind of made the point earlier, didn't really have kind of, I won't say a Glazer-esque approach, but he was more... I'm not as focused on the football team. I would focus on this as like like the Glazers are more focused on the Buccaneers over in America. Same with the Denver Nuggets and Cronky. So the Glazers are more focused on dividends and selling jerseys and not too worried about what United do because regardless of how United do on the pitch commercially, we're one of the biggest in the world and that's all that they've ever been interested in. Um and I think that's why it's massive that Sir Jim 
has come in. They seem mm. to have an interest in making United better. Um, and they seem to have an interest in making United successful on the pitch. And we as supporters, I mean, we can only applaud that. I mean, that's what we've mm. wanted for years. Um, someone to come in and show a bit of interest in the team. Um, so, yeah, while I was sceptical about it at first, um, what he's done initially with Ineos coming in, um, I have to applaud it so far. And I, Dick, we've had this discussion before uh, off screen, basically, but we kind of both said that this, I, I suppose when you look at the face value of it, we were all kind of, uh, which called him Sheikh Jassim in at the stars because let's be honest, we all saw this. Sir Jim Ratcliffe was willing to take a smaller cost and keep the Glazers in if it meant being involved with Manchester United. And we kind of said we don't want that, but now that it's actually have to come into fruition and we see what they're looking to do, it doesn't look half as bad. So, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I was uh. I was never, I was always Radcliffe from the start. I just think the idea of United being owned by a country would be absolutely awful. Mm. And especially a country that's so repressive and human rights abusing as Qatar. Uh, and it just like, we, we can't slag off City if then we just become what City are. And yeah. also, it's not as if Qatar were ever a surefire thing. It's not like they've done much PSG. PSG are kind of just like a supercharged version of United, just buying names and they don't really do that. Like they've made one Champions League final, and it came in COVID. So I just never. I was like, there's a lot of reasons we shouldn't be involved in any of that stuff. And also, I think if Qatar took over, you know, had taken over United, and who knows if that bid was even legitimate. That's kind of the end because you can't buy Bayern Munich, you can't buy Barcelona, you can't buy Real Madrid, you can't actually buy the World Cup. Uh, they try, but you can't. But you know, it's the golden goose. It's the biggest thing you can buy in football, and the influence, and it would just. It would, it would stink, like, and the success wouldn't, it would just feel a bit wrong, whereas there's no such thing as an ethical billionaire, obviously, but he is, like, the low, it's like the Jack Walker boy in Blackburn of sorts, of, like, he's from the area. Yeah. It's just easier to, to deal with. And Wait, also, I... I think the expertise that he has in business and getting the proper people in, whereas Sheikh Jassim, the chat, was getting Rio Ferdinand in as director of football and... <laughs> Every, everyone would probably be just knocking around the club and it would just be a bit of a clown show again. So, and yeah. I think the other thing, the whole 25% and everything, it was a seller, it's a seller's market. Like the Glazers were the ones making the decision. Like you can't just say, I want 100%, but they're not going to give you 100%. So Radcliffe was strategic and adaptable and he'd end up getting the full thing. So I think we're lucky to be in that position. And that's all also like the thing, looking ahead to this weekend. City being owned by a country, like it's pretty fake and tainted and so on. At least we have a semblance of like the soul left of our club. So I think that's more important than any success. Uh, and that's a valid point of view. And like even Reese makes the point here, and you made the valid point there about PSG just buying the names. But you have to think about it though. PSG are selling their biggest name in Kylian Mbappe. Well, sorry, I say selling, he's leaving on free agency to more than likely Real Madrid. But there's no like, there's no that there's no Messi Mbappe style name left at PSG after that, so you kind of have to think where does where the PSG go from there because they have the money to just Rashford. rock around and, and, and go for it like, but unless they went away and just swooped in, said right name your number for. 
Haaland, Bellingham, whoever, Vinicius Jr., they're going to look for that. I won't compare them to the Galacticos of Real Madrid before, but they're going to go for that big name. And you kind of have to question who's next. And I've heard a lot of people yeah. saying Rashford, because I know that's going to come into the comments at some point. But, <laughs> like, Rashford at PSG, it, it was talked about previously, so it's just a matter of will it actually happen. Yeah, I think PSG last summer, they tried to, like, change their, well, they kind of did a bit, they changed their policy of, like, moving away from, obviously, Neymar left and then Messi left, mm. of, like, young French players. Because Paris is, like, the biggest concentration of... Uh, young like that players who become professionals in the world and it's about time they tapped into it and kind of give like your Paris like fame big, most famous one of the most famous cities in the world like you need to have like an identity and a culture to it yeah. uh, so they're trying that now but then you're like well they're still PSG they bought Kolu Moani and Gonzalo Ramos for 150 million combined and neither of them started against Ostad the last 16 so you're kind of with PSG it's like you never know what they'll actually do like you won't be shocked if they like tried to buy like I wouldn't be surprised if they went for Rashford or if they throw big money at just anyone they're just that kind of club and yeah, that, I don't and really like, want you know I don't want United to be like that but and like you make the point there like I remember oh, what game was I looking at I, it might have been a preseason game now or it, it was still a relatively I can't remember who they were playing though but it was a decent side they were playing and I'm sorry it wasn't preseason it was the start of the league on and I just saw their lineup and I was there like I can literally name two of these players that would just tell you the stretch of the team that they had versus the team that put out against the champions in the Champions League. Like it's ridiculous, really. Yeah. And to wrap up the PSG talk, Messi and Mbappe Neymar still feels under Ancelotti because Lee one is wank. Farmers <laughs> League for a reason, lads. It so- is. <laughs> it's brutal. Is cash. I mean, so look- you're going to test yourself as a player and. Uh, in the French League. I mean, come on. So look, we'll wrap up there on one final toss, starting lineups and score predictions, lads. I'll kick things off. I'm feeling that deck will be more positive, so I'll end on that note. <laughs> um, I, like, Onana, who been goes, he's actually played well. He played well against Farris, I thought. Hmm. And he'll be important in this game because we'll need to, like, how we play from the back will be interesting. Back four, Dallow, Efran, Lindelof, Amrabat, midfield, Casemiro, Maynou, Fernandez, front three, Rashford, Anthony, Garnacho, and Scott McTominay to come off the bench to get a consolation goal in a 4-1 loss for United. <laughs> uh, that's, I've, I've, I've fully have no, I've no confidence. I just feel like I've seen this before. So uh, I'll say 4-1 and hope that I'm completely wrong. Yeah, I, I, my team is very similar. I would have had uh, Delo, Varane. I'm putting in Johnny Evans um, in there and Lindelof. So that's my back four. And the rest of the team is exactly the same. And I'm hoping Scotty, too hotty, will come on as well and score the for United in the 90th minute, sending the crowd wild and the one-man city fan home crying. <laughs> like I, I, I'll be honest, lads. I think you're forgetting that uh, Maguire was only ruled out for the Forest game, so I'm gonna actually put him in with Varane there. Oh, is Maguire back? Is he? I think no. I, I didn't hear for definite if he's actually back or not, but I'm fairly certain that he said he was only ruled out for the Forest game. So leave that with what you will. I'll go Maguire to rescue. Yeah, 
Never thought, big, I, never thought I'd see the day. He's lumping the balls up the front to Big H to score. Never mind. Never mind. Scrap what I said. Scrap what I said. McGuire is actually out. Thanks, Keen, for that one. But uh, no, look, I suppose having said that, it probably will be Evans and Miranda at the back. Not the worst pairing, but when you're coming up against City and the firepower that they can produce, it, it, it is an interesting one. Um, I suppose on the flanks, then you're talking. Ideally, you're thinking right back will be Lindelof, Dallow left back because it's more favoured. But realistically, it's probably going to be Dallow right back and left back will be Amrabat. Uh, Midfields, Kabi, Casemiro, Bruno kind of writes itself. And then once and for all, I'm still sticking to this one. I don't care. Someone could call me out on it. I don't care if Rashford doesn't like playing number nine. He'll be placed in number nine. You're keeping Garnacho on that right wing and you're playing Anthony on that left wing because. It just favors him. It just favors him. I agree. I think that's the way. Um, yeah, I think we're all going to need alcohol for the derby. Uh, yeah, most definitely. I already, I already have wine, so we'll make that. Start, drink, start, start, start drinking now, anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll make be... make a weekend out of it. <laughs> yeah, stop on Monday. <laughs> yeah, stop on Monday, but I actually have to drive to work. <laughs> But no, I think on scoreline wise, like I don't think it's going to be as open as a let's say the likes of Julio and Reese are saying here. Like the boys are saying, it'll be one all draw. Or even Julio is here saying it'll be draw one all or losing for one. I do feel it'll be another repeat of a two one scoreline as as it was at Old Trafford in the, in the return fixture last season. Who is the winner of that two one? I will not predict because. I am not one to predict who will actually win. And you haven't drank enough yet. That. And delighted to hear a reason, because you got his accommodation book for the cup game. He's going to the Liverpool game in Paddy's Day. And that will, speaking of messy games, that will be a messy game. Paddy's Day between Liverpool and United. Wow. <laughs> and just don't lose to Liverpool in two weeks, I beg. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I'm more upset I have to work on Paddy's Day. Oh, my too. That's so. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> Look, lads, it's just under the hour mark. We'll wrap it up there. Lads, for Julio, Reese, and everyone in the comments, thanks for joining in. It's been a fantastic uh, evening. Chatting with three Irish, or chatting with all the Irish lads, what could possibly go wrong? So, from me, Dick, and Peter, we'll say goodnight. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers, Reds. Cheers. Podcast Network.